Thanks, Peter. So as I've said uh, earlier, this series we're continuing this summer is on uh, this letter, First John, and the theme of God is love. And I think that's a good way of describing the theme of this book. Many people would describe this letter, 1 John, as basically it's the love letter of the New Testament. Um, in fact, you'll find, I think, that First John has more references uh, to love per word count than any other book of the Bible. Uh, I understand that about one out of every 50 words in this book, so about 2% of the whole book is just the, is the word love. So it's, it's a very strong theme. And so as I think as we look at the book, uh, at this, this book at the start of the year, as I said, we're setting ourselves up for 2020 as a community. And um, hopefully it unfolds for us some sense of who this God is that we're working with, who the God is that we love and the God is that we're worshipping this morning. And I've really looked forward to reading and reflecting and speaking on this particular passage today. Um, you know, for a long time I felt that First John is my favourite book in the Bible. Uh, I think for me this letter reads to me like the most mature reflections that we have in the Bible on Jesus and who he was. Uh, it came from the man who was closest of any of the disciples to Jesus. He, John's called the disciple Jesus loved. And he really knew better, I think, more than anyone what it meant to see God as love through Jesus in his life. In one sense, then, I think First John is almost the most advanced, the most complete book we have in the whole Bible that, that takes us the furthest, you know, the closest to heaven and the closest to this true experience of God. And so that's, that, that's what this letter is. And I think in this passage that we've just read, we have basically the best part of it. So for me, it's, this is the best part of the best book of the Bible. Um, almost every sentence that we read in this passage is so profound, you could spend, you know, a week on it, just each sentence. It's so deep. But today, the basic point I want us to take away from this particular chapter of John, chapter 4, is the idea, I think it's essentially about uh, home. It's about the idea of home and about coming home and what does that mean. Uh, home is, of course, a very profound idea. It's a beautiful idea and uh, it's an idea that many people love, though, of course, many people also have trouble with the idea of home. And in an ideal sense, I think home for us is really supposed to be, well, this is the place where I belong. It might be the place where I've come from, the place that shows me who I am and what I'm made to be. Or it might be the place that I'm looking for, the place that I discover uh, where I can be as I am supposed to be. That's home. And many people have a definite place, I think, the place that is their home and the place that always will be their home. And this is something I've observed as I moved into this area, that a lot of people here were born, up, born or grew up in the hills and really can't imagine living anywhere else. You know, if someone moves down to Fern Tree Gully, this is considered quite a long, uh, long you know, distance move. You know, you're out, of the, you're out of the area, you're out of the hills. Um, so <laughs> a lot of people have a very strong sense of home. But, of course, uh, some of us have never really had that strong sense of a place, a particular place as home. We're still looking, really, for the place that is our home. But John would say, I think, that all of us, no matter where that, what our home is at the moment and whether we are at home or not, um, we're all actually still travelling towards our true home. And our true home is, as, is in God, I think he would say. And the journey that we're on there is this journey of love that he talks about, this journey with Jesus Christ. So twice in this passage, John actually says this. Uh, specifically about home, but the clearest is he says in verse 16, where he says, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. So I think according to John, God is our true home. God is the place we are supposed to live. 
And also, though, you can see he says that we are supposed to be God's home and the place where God lives. You see what I mean about the profound ideas here? So what does this mean and how can this be? I think the key here to understanding this idea is for us to have a proper understanding of love and the understanding that John provides. Um, As as Jerome has pointed out in the last few weeks, and as we saw in that video we just saw, that uh, love is actually a very rich idea in the Bible. It's a very rich idea in 1 John. So when John speaks about love, as the video said, he's not primarily speaking about feelings of love towards people, though that's part of love, of course. What he's talking about is action or love as an activity. And specifically, this kind of love, agape, is the word we saw, talked about in the Bible Project video. This idea of love, agape, is a practice and an attitude of radical, active seeking for the good of other people and to seek only their good and to seek their highest good, regardless of the effect that it has on your own well-being. Um, And love, in this deeper sense, then, I think is fundamentally an openness that we have in ourselves to share in other people's lives, to go out from ourselves into the lives of other people. This is what John's talking about, to give of what we have to share our life with them. So love is the opposite of being kind of closed off and indifferent to what's happening for other people. That is indifference. That's the opposite of love. And I think John says this idea is so important and, it's, and love is so central to Christians because of this fact that love is not just an emotion and love is not even just something that is done. Love is actually a fundamental description, he says, of God himself and who God is. That's why he says here, God is love. God is love. And that's a big thing to say. And I think we should note that what he's not saying here, things we might expect him to say, he doesn't say God is loving. He doesn't say God is loving. He doesn't say God feels love for us. He says something simpler and something deeper. He says God is love. So love is not an attribute of God alongside other attributes. It's not something that balances out something else in God's character. You know, God sometimes is loving, sometimes he's angry, sometimes he's this. Um, Love is actually the very essence of God. And what he always is. God is love. And that's a really radical claim to make for John. Um, And I believe it's a claim that changes everything about our understanding of the world and our place in it. Because if God is love, that means that there is nothing more deep or fundamental in reality than love. Because that is what God is. He is the deepest thing there is. So love is there. So John says God is love. And he says we know this. Because this is what Jesus has revealed to us. We've seen this. In verse 9, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. He says similar things in these verses again and again. This is how we know what love is and therefore how you know what God is. God sent his son to be the saviour of the world. This is how we know, he says, what love is. Jesus sent his spirit into live, to live in us, to show us, and to make God's love real in our lives. So you can hear what he's saying. God is love. And so the fun, because of that, whatever we say truthfully about love, we're saying about God. And so fundamentally, God's being and his actions shows that God, what God is, is an openness to give life and goodness towards other people. Open up. God opens his heart and his life to others and invites them in. And so God is profoundly and completely other-centred in his very being. And this is so much true that actually 
over the years, as Christians start to think, well, what do we actually say about God and what do we believe about God? The, de- the, the, most, sort of, the most profound thing we say is that God, when we say that word, is actually a, a set of relationships of love. And I'm, of course, talking here about the doctrine of the Trinity, So, which some of you are familiar with, some of you may not know much about this idea. So when we talk about the Trinity, we're saying that we have the, our belief is that when you talk about God and when you use that word or that name, what we are actually talking about is a community of three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The, that's three. Now, I'm not going to go delve too deeply into the mysteries of the Trinity today. Uh, it's summer, it's a bit hot, we're all a bit tired, and you know, maybe later on we'll sort of think about the deep, the deep stuff in there, because there's a lot. But the best summary, I think, for what we're talking about today is that the, the Trinity, as an idea, tells us that God, God, what is God? God is actually like a perfect family. So God is like a father, so loving that he gives everything, including his own life and self, to this son. And this love between the father and his son is so powerful that it, becomes, it is a real person, his spirit. Uh, and this family is the home, the, the reality, at the heart of all things, the trinity, the God. And that is then the home that we're called to be part of. And this is what John is talking about when he says God is love. I think as we've seen in earlier weeks, John is not someone who speculates about ideas. He's not interested in intellectualism. He's concerned about knowing things through experience. So when he talks about the Trinity and he says things about the Father and the Son and the Spirit, he's not speculating about the nature of God as a philosopher. John spoke about the Trinity. I think the video pointed that out well. That the, because this is what Jesus actually showed him and the other disciples that God was like. And they experienced it. So if we read the Gospel of John, for instance, the Gospel that he wrote, we see that he constantly shows what Jesus was saying and doing to show who God is. So, for instance, at the Last Supper, before he went to die, Jesus opened up to them this deep teaching about God and who God is to his disciples. And he shared openly with them about this intimate connection of love that he had with his Father in the Holy Spirit. And, so, and that was what Jesus said, I've come to share this with you as my disciples, to invite you into that intimacy with the God that I have. And so John then says, well, I want to share that with you, members of my church. That's what, that's what you're being invited into. So, for instance, in, in the Gospel of John, chapter 17, verse 20 to 21, John records that Jesus was praying to God the Father, and they, his disciples heard what he said. But before he went off to be arrested and taken to the cross, and he prays to the Father, he says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe you have sent me. Jesus wants his disciples and those whose disciples will teach, including us, to be to know this intimacy with God that he does, his Father. And so John obviously treasured this in his heart. He'd seen, what, he'd seen God through Jesus and he taught that to his disciples in churches. And so in this letter that he writes, he teaches the church that God, who, the, who they know through Jesus, their saviour, God is a home for them. God is their family. God is love. God is an open community of service and self-giving. And that's what it means when you say God is love. So it's three words, but it's actually full of meaning and are full of mysteries. 
And in Jesus, John says, we see that this family, God, are not just self-sufficient. They actually open up their doors and their heart to us and to the whole world and invite the creation in to live in God. And for that reason, then, God is active towards the world. The Son of God, he says, has come to live with us, to live in us so that we can live in him. And that's the Christmas story we've just celebrated, isn't it? The birth of this son come into the world. And so do you see what I mean when I say this is the most profound passage in the Bible? You know, How can you understand this? How can we understand this with our, our minds? What does it mean for God to be, a, to be a community and for God to come into our world? And so John would say, I think, we can only learn what this means through experience. It's not just an idea that we understand. It's something that we know through experience. And so the only way, he would say, to learn about the truth that God is love through experience is to become full of love ourselves. To make ourselves a home of love for God, the Holy Trinity, to live in. So as I said, again, that's the theme of the passage here. This is the, what he's saying. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God lives in them. And I think to me, that's kind of Christianity right there in a verse. The whole Bible sort of summed up, basically. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God lives in them. If we know this, if we live it, if we experience it, we'll understand everything that Jesus taught and the whole Bible will make sense. Um, and if we do that, we'll know God because God is love and that's what Jesus has taught us. So I think it's that simple, really. If you just memorise this, you've got it. Um, but if, of course, then that's a very challenging thing to think about living out. It's very challenging. Um, because as we look at ourselves and we think, well, how do, I, how do I relate to this reality? It's quite, it might be hard to think, oh, this is a bit too much, um, a bit too far from where I am. You know, if God is love, and if we know God through our love for him and for others, can I, as I am now, really know him? Um, how, do, how do I compare to this vision of God uh, of living in him and him living in me through love. Um, you know, I think about, I was thinking, how do I compare to this, you know? Um, I think if I look at myself most days, um, I'm really not open um, and giving towards others in the way God is, particularly early in the morning uh, before the coffee works its magic. That's an expression of God's love, I think. Um, you know, often, very often, I go through the day, I'm pretty full of myself full of my own worries and not particularly concerned with others. I want to keep other people out, perhaps, because of the demands that they make on me and my, and my uh, energy and needs. And closing off my heart, perhaps, to the needs I see in the world because it makes me uncomfortable. Um, and it, it asks a lot. And so that's the opposite, John would say, of God's character. And that's where most of us live most of the time, I think, if we're honest with ourselves. Um, though, of course, we, we see each other and we see a lot of love operating in the world, of course. But we know that it's, it's not, it's not um, all the time and, and we struggle with this a lot. And so th that's why we need a saviour, isn't it? That's why we actually need someone to, to give us love and to show us how to love. Uh, and that's one of the refrains of John's message. Because he wrote this whole letter to the churches that he was writing to because he could see that they were being infiltrated by teachers who were telling them... Um, trying to help them avoid the challenge of love. So these teachers were actually trying to teach people how to avoid the challenge of being a loving person and knowing God by telling them to focus on things like intellectual knowledge about spiritual things 
or focusing on higher mystical experiences that are available only to elite spiritual people. Uh, and then those teachers would downplay the reality. Jesus is not a real human being. Um, our humanity is not important and our weaknesses and challenges are not part of um, what God's interested in and he's not asking us to, to come out of that into love. They say, you just need to know the right things. And so John is concerned because of that that people are going to miss the experience of God because God is love and, they, and, they want, and they're supposed to experience God living in them. Um, and so one of John's remedies for this is to, remind, to encourage people to focus firstly not on our own efforts of spiritual growth, what we know, where we're going, what we're doing, but, but to focus on what God has done for us, to focus on God's love. So if we look beyond our reading to the end of chapter 4, in encouraging people to love each other, John writes, he says, well, we love because he first loved us. We love because he first loved us. That because is very important. Um, we're encouraged, he says, we're motivated, we're empowered to love, because God's love towards us comes first, it's constant, it's faithful, it's powerful, it's present in Jesus, regardless of what we do. It's the first thing. And so our own love for God, our own love for other people, is, arises from a response to that as an outflowing of God's presence in us. It's not from your own willpower. Otherwise, it would be pretty hopeless. Uh, we love because he first loved us, he says. And so John reminds us we're not home yet. Um, it reminds us that we're getting there and we are still in this life, I think, coming, uh, coming home to live in God and we're learning what it means to live in him and for him to live in us and to be embraced in the life of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Um, but if God's home, I think, is in our hearts now and if we start to experience this, God is working in us, his love is in us, then when we get there to eternity, this home, when we, get to this, when we meet, see the Trinity or understand it, uh, it will seem very familiar. It'll be a home that we've you know, already seen a lot of because it's in us. So I'd encourage us today, if we're feeling, maybe we're feeling empty or cold today or not particularly full of love, a long way from God's love perhaps or a long way from home and a lot of us do a lot of the time feel that way, um, I'd encourage us to spend time throughout this week meditating on God's love for us. What has he done for us in Jesus? For all of us. And then inviting him in to make a home in, a, in our heart. To actually say, oh, well, I'd like you to come in to make your home in my heart. And I think that invitation to ask God into our hearts passionately, repeatedly for love is actually the heart of what prayer is. So as you pray this week, I encourage you maybe to pray something like what's on the screen here. Um, a prayer for, for this week. So God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Make your home in my heart. God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, make your home in my heart. And through this, we will hopefully come to understand more who God is that Jesus has shown us. So I'd like to pray as we reflect more on this as we go on this morning. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have revealed to us the heart of God the heart of the Father and your love as Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And we thank you that you have invited us in and made it possible for us to overcome the barriers we have set up between you and us. We pray you would forgive us, set us free from indifference and coldness, that you would open our hearts to you and to each other. We pray that we would invite you in and we wel welcome you in our hearts and that we would know you as our true home. So I pray for all of us here this morning that you would... 
give us a constant and a new awareness of your presence this week. And Lord Jesus, please guide us along the way back home to the place you've prepared for us with your Father. So I pray this in your holy name. Amen.